I'm Liza. I'm Riss. And you're listening to the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Um, hey, by when you're listening to this, it's already been Valentine's Day, but it's the day after Valentine's Day while we're recording this. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Romance readers probably had a great week. We're not romance readers, so not us. But all readers should have had a great week because on Valentine's Day, you should do what you love. That's so true. So we hope you read. I read on Valentine's Day. Me too. I did. I like Valentine's Day. It's fun. I friggin' love Valentine's Day. It's so good. It's so good. I, I love like- I love celebrating the things that I love. Me too. I also love like really crazy fun holidays that are like non-denominational. So like I really like I, well everybody knows Marissa too is the same way. Oh, Halloween, it's the best day of the fucking year. But I love Valentine's Day. I love per- I love birthdays. It doesn't even have to be my birthday. I love everybody's birthday. Um, I'm not patriotic, but I do like the Fourth of July. It's fun. I, I love fireworks, actually. Yeah, like non-denominational holidays be slapping. Isn't it just cool, like? fire in pretty colors goes up in the sky and makes loud noises and like we all just like look up at them and like so color like changes on our face like oh i love it I love so that feeling. it's warm i fourth of july is literally the it's also my mom's birthday so hell like yeah doubly fun but i love everything about fourth of july other than like fucking saluting the flag because it's like fireworks bonfires warm out Ice cream, like watermelon fruit, um, hot dogs and hamburgers. Maybe you get to go to the beach or somebody of water or like a pool. Like everybody's drunk. There's a theme. There's so you a know theme. how to dress. You know how to dress. You don't have to. Most people don't have to buy presents on the 4th of July. I do because it's my mom's birthday. But normally you don't. It's just good. Oh, parades. I like parades. parades. Um, the parade I watch every year, um, we sit in the graveyard and watch it. And I just think it's very iconic of my family. I love that. It's like an old graveyard. Don't worry, people. There's not freshly dead folks. But I even if there were freshly dead folks want to see the parade, too. Literally, that's what I'm saying. I was like, why can't I sit with this freshly dead person and have a good Fourth of July? But it's a really old cemetery, so. They are be bones, but they love it. <laughs> they love it. The bones are like rattling. They're, the bones are their money. It's the 4th of July. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> uh, good times, right, P? But you had a good Valentine's Day, Missy? I did. Um, but folks, fun, but also sad that it's the last week of 
this special series. Um, but it is the last week of Black History Month. Yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, it's almost Black History Month is almost over. You still have time to celebrate Black History. But this is our last episode celebrating Black History Month until next year. Ooh. But I feel like we saved the best genre or we saved our favorite genre for last. I totally agree. I'll also say just because it's the end doesn't mean that you can't read black authored books all year. In fact, you should and you must always, always support black authors, contemporary black authors, classic black authors. Do it Winning all year. Black authors. Period. Three, six, five. Do it. Do it. Well, do you guys know what just just from what Liza said, can you guess what this theme is? Baby genre. It is Black History Month Horror. Woo! Party, 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 party. Um, I was just thinking about how before we like say what our books were. I don't know if you had a similar reaction with yours, but I just feel like black authored slash written slash directed horror film TV show books are so fucking cool. And there's always not always because I think if even if they, the movie doesn't have this, they're still obviously really cool and there shouldn't always have to be this aspect of it. But a lot of the time, black created horror is making like a larger statement than run-of-the-mill horror is and the only like kind of thing that could be compared I think is probably I mean horror created by other communities of color for sure but like 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 feminist horror would go into a similar category or like I feel like sometimes horror makes like class statements on class quite a bit um which i think is really cool but i just think like this book that i read people were comparing it to get out and i was just thinking about other like horror movies created by black folks and other like books written by horror books written by black authors and i was like what a fucking it's like a genre in and of itself and the messages that often are in them are like so important and cool. And I just love when I love when fiction has those messages anyway, but when a genre, genre like horror, which is like my favorite does, it makes it even better. And okay. It also kind of bothers me that like, I used to be one of those people where it's like, I want to just write a story, just to write a story. I don't want it to mean anything. Right. But then the more I like think about it, I'm like horror kind of should just do that. Like a lot of the things that I write, it just happens. Yeah. And I think about specifically old horror movies and they're all some kind of like allegory for something. Yeah. And so then like when I see newer movies and that's not happening, I'm like, like, are we, are we moving too far away from the point? But like, then is it just violence just for violence sake? You know what I mean? And that like annoys me. It bothers me. It's like kind of like when we talk about things in fiction that are gratuitous, whether it be gratuitous violence, gratuitous sex, 
and that have both of those things happen a lot in horror, largely horror by white dudes. Obviously, white dudes are also doing cool stuff with horror. Like there's lots of cool horror folks, but like like there's a gratuitousness of horror that you don't see as much in these feminist and or black power and or class war horror. Yes. I also think of um, Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's like the fact that, you know, Mary Shelley had um, so many like bad not that there is a good one or whatever, but so many like pregnancy problems mm-hmm. and problems with her children dying and things like that. Something yeah. about that makes Frankenstein so much better. Yeah. You know, this scientist like creating this creature and then the creature sort of looking for love and like affection from the its own creator and its kind of meaning of life. Something about that makes it so much better and to just like like I, I don't know I try to think like if she didn't have or if we didn't know about the problems she had um with her mother's death and with her own children would we like would it even be that great right right I don't know if it was what what was the reason <laughs> we, we would like a little bit of a sparkle yeah in 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 the in the writing yeah yeah do that for us. Do that. But Marissa. Yep. What did you read this week? Ooh, I'd love to tell you, Liza. I read The Devil in Silver by Victor Lavelle. And I read Lakewood by Megan Giddings. I think we talked last week, like, beautiful covers for both of these, right? Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls. Yes. Yeah, yours is fucking sick. It's so cool. Very creepy. And I saw there's like a a buffalo kind of like dripping blood on the cover. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm from Buffalo. You're like, sign me up. (laughs) This has nothing to do with me, but I'm going to get it. Yeah. So we talked about this uh, a little bit. I think the, the first week of black history month but this was a book that i had no idea existed an author i had no idea existed i found him on a reddit page someone was like oh you should read this author so i looked him up and he has so many books and they're all like creepy and i don't know how i never knew that he existed i mean i'm sure that he's a big author in some people's writing circle but for me he never came up my radar and that kind of makes me sad i think he deserves way more and so everyone needs to check him out he has some creepy friggin books i'm i think the one that's everyone's favorite is big machine um the one that i really want to read is called the changeling and the reason why i didn't read the changeling and i read this one instead of that one is because um, the changeling felt a little bit too much of a family oriented crime type book uh, with a little bit of like horror, like monster horror in it. And I knew I, I kind of wanted to read something monster horror, 
but I knew that I would have just read the Jigsaw Man, which is crime. And then I also knew that White is for Witching had huge family vibes in it. So the devil in silver had this Buffalo on it. And also it's pretty monster horror and it's a little bit, it, it takes place like in a psych ward. So it gave me like American horror story asylum vibes, which is my favorite season. Um, so I, I had to get this one and I'm pretty sure it was named one of the best books of the year. Um, and it came out in 2013 was when it was published. So this book is pretty much about um, a man in New York who gets put into a psych ward, a mental mental institution. And it's pretty much like a failing of the system that he ends up there. The cops who brought him in were kind of on their way out for the night. And they knew that if they brought him back to the station, it would take hours to process him. So they put him in the psych ward and that's allowed apparently. And on one of his first nights, he, you know, he meets a couple people, whatever. And from the ceiling of his room, a creature with the body of an old man and the head of a bison comes down from the ceiling and like tries to kill him. All the other patients seem aware of this, like, quote, devil. And they all are trying to, like, rally together to, like, do something about him. And it's also, like, the workers seem weirdly aware of it, too. Uh, It's very weird and creepy. And there are moments where I'm, like, it's, like, you know that this character was brought into this psych ward and he's sane, But the more things go on, I'm like, he's doing like crazy person things, I guess. And and the amount of faith he's putting into these other inmates. I'm like, you don't know if these patients are. Like these patients have been in this mental institution longer than you and you're acting like they're sane people. It's it's very interesting. And, you know, it's it's kind of mysterious. There's a lot going on. So let's get right into the chart for readability. I gave it a nine. I read this book in big chunks. And by that, I mean, like I read a hundred pages in one day. And then the next day I read like 200, like I was flying through it and it is uh, 412 pages. I wouldn't really say it's like very digestible. I wouldn't like, there are some shorter chapters in it, but they're not all short. Um, The font is smaller but you very much want to know what's going on and so you keep reading and also when I first opened it the quote in this book the epigraph is a quote from Vincent Van Gogh if you guys don't know I friggin love Vincent Van Gogh he died uh, many many years ago on my birthday so I feel connected to him Um, I just absolutely love him And so when I saw that quote, I was like, oh, my God, this is for me. And there are some parts about Vincent Van Gogh actually in the book, which I found really interesting. Um, But to get back to the point, I was super into this book for language and style. I gave it a seven. Very clean writing, but it feels it's not flowery. It's not lyrical. It's it's fairly matter of fact and. 
I was trying to explain, me and Liza were trying to talk about this before we started. It feels very like man writing. I know it sounds so bad, but let me just explain. Like it's when I was reading this, I was getting feelings of a combination of like a wide majority of male writers. I thought of it. It reminds us of Neil. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got Neil vibes here. Leonard Gardner, if anyone knows him, he wrote Fat City, which is a boxing book. And Fat City actually has some like beautiful descriptions in it, but they're very, they're beautiful in what he's describing and not necessarily the language that he's using, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's another man who it reminds me of, and I can't put my finger on exactly who it is. Hey, sleepy readers, future Marissa here. Just wanted to let you know that the other person I was thinking of who Victor's writing reminded me of is um, Stephen Graham Jones, who we covered him in our Native American History Month episode. He wrote The Only Good Indians. He's amazing. Um, but for some reason, their writing styles reminded me of each other. So I wanted to make sure I remembered his name. There you go. I was getting those kind of vibes from it. And there's lots of like interjects, interjections into things. And the language is sort of also um, very informal. I don't know why it took me so long to think of that. It's very informal. I'm going to give you an example. There's a lot of... Uh, parentheses inserted in the writing where you know he'll just the main character will be just thinking or something and then it's like in parentheses like was that racist like it'll just ask and it's not necessarily this character asking it feels almost like it's the narrator um which we can we'll get into narration later there's a lot of tangents to where it it would talk about like You know, when this nurse goes home, she's going home here and doing this here. And they're not she's not even like a a main character or something. Um, Okay, so this this is an example of like the informal kind of writing. This is on page four, so it's right in the beginning. Now, this guy was big, but let's put it in perspective. He wasn't Greek mythology sized, wasn't tossing boulders at passing ships. He wasn't even green mile sized, one of those human giant types. He stood six foot three and weighed 271 pounds. And if that doesn't sound big to you, then you must be a professional wrestler. The dude was big, but still, re- but still recognizably human, beatable. Three smaller men like these cops could take him down together just to get that straight. Very, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Leonard Gardner and Fat City. Informal in that way. Um, I'm going to omit form. It, it's sectioned off into, I believe, three different parts. Maybe it's, yeah, actually four different, and they're actually called volumes. So it's separated into four different volumes. And then you have almost like chapters throughout the book. And I think there's about 43, maybe. But other than that, there's like fancy way that he's telling the story or anything. So I'm just om- omitting form. For shelf worthy, I gave it a seven. 
I don't know if I would read this book again, but I would I do want to read more of Victor's writing and I am going to keep it on my shelf. I, I think that I would recommend this book to people and I would recommend people buying it over borrowing it. And like I said, I'm going to keep it, but I don't know. Like, I don't I don't think that this would be a book for everyone, but give it a shot. I think you might like it. And it's got it's got that creep factor that we like here. And it's also a good story. It's a good story for plot. I gave it a seven. Um, It has moments of being both fast and slow paced. So I'm going to go with like a medium paced. I believe it's character driven. Um, The really interesting thing is if you read the synopsis of this book, or if you read the the back cover, it says it pretty much it's it says like oh inmate this Pepper the main character he gets admitted to this mental hospital he sees the bison head old man um, and then he tries to like rally the other inmates to kill the monster and so that's what I thought that this whole book was going to be about. And weirdly enough, I feel like the first maybe 200 pages is that. And then the rest of the book. So like once I got to the end of that part, I still had about 200 pages to go. And I was like, what is still happening? I was a little confused as, as to what I didn't know what else would happen in the book because I thought that that would be the end of it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's interesting that that is all that they would put on the back when there's so much more happening here. I would also say this is a slow burn type horror book in the sense that like, not like I'm reading this book and not every single moment. Am I like, wow, this is so creepy. I'm more like, wow, this is effed up. And I'm not saying it's effed up because of the monster in the book. I'm saying it's effed up because of what is happening in this mental institution. So moving with that, I'm going to say this is, there's a lot of social commentary in this book, a lot of racial anecdotes where um, the main character is a big white guy. And, you know, there are, he just makes a lot of comments. For example, let me slow down. There's one character, he doesn't know her name. So he just calls her the Chinese lady. And then he, he like the first time he says it afterwards in parentheses, he says like, is that racist? And it kind of like makes you pause for a second. And then there's a point where he's going to go talk to the quote Chinese lady. And he says like it, in his head, Pepper's thinking. So it's italicized. And it says like, don't call her the Chinese lady. Don't call her the Chinese lady. Don't call her the Chinese lady. And then in parentheses again. So it's like the parentheses almost feel like the narrator talking or something like that. It's like, come on, Pepper. It's a little racist or something like that. I think it's interesting that not only are these little antidotes in there, but then he double draws your attention to him by almost like trying to communicate with his character. It it reminds me a little bit of, you know, when I'm writing, sometimes I don't like I write something and I'm like, I don't know if this will go over well, or I don't know if this will be perceived well. So then in parentheses, I'll write something like, 
maybe we should change that. Or did my character say this or something like that? And then when I have people read it, I keep those in. So it's like, that's something that I'm questioning. And it almost feels like that. That's really cool. Let's see. Definitely a kind of meditation on systemic failures. Um, It's a very obvious showing of how our institutions don't work and how they're simply just institutions um, being used to deal with people without showing these like emotional faces. Um, You're not allowed like the people who are part of these institutions aren't really allowed to be people. They're not allowed to be emotional. They have to act as the institution and go by the institution rules leaving these people in the hands of the system being treated like less than people. It's really interesting. And as I'm reading it, there are a lot of things that are happening where I'm like, not only was being put in this mental institution, causing this man who the readers perceive to be sane, but now like it's making him kind of insane. He's, he's making, he's, he's starting to do things that other patients do, but it's also like all these patients who have been in here for years and years and years and years have been dealing with things like not seeing sunlight and being strapped to bed to beds for hours. And there's no one, even though there are laws that say, in these institutions, you can only do this for so long, or you can only do A, B, C, and D. There's no one there to um, enforce the rules. And there's also this weird thing where it's like, you get the perspective of one of the nurses and, you know, she tries to lend them out books and she tries to listen to them. And she's just constantly reminded that like, she has to, not let them call her by her first name. She has to be like nurse, blah, blah, blah. And she has to be stern and rough with them. And she wants to treat them like people, but every single system that is in place in this institution discourages her from treating these people like people. So yeah, it's, it's super, super interesting. Um, Third person point of view but it's it's very main character centered, but there's a lot of bits and pieces from other people too. A lot of like, yes, we're following Pepper the whole book, but randomly we're not with Pepper and we're suddenly with this other character. It's very much like that. Um, and that really helps further the plot. And I actually really appreciated that because me and you know, Pepper's, he's a little strange. Um, For characterization, I gave it an eight. Even though these characters, I like these characters, but they're not likable characters. Pepper has aspects of me liking him and then not liking him at all. Like, for example, I like that he is sort of like a rallying force for the other inmates and patients and sort of like an advocate for these other patients but at the same time he is really self-centered and is doing a lot of the things he's doing because he wants to get out um and it causes him and them a lot of trouble or like there's one part where he tries to 
encourage the other inmates not to take their meds, which seems like a good idea because the men the meds make them really like effed up and slow. They're taking like lithium and another one and it makes them super drowsy and super slow and weak and almost sedated, but like walking around. And so he encourages them not to take them and then doesn't re- like doesn't realize the effects that that could have on mentally ill people to not be taking their meds. Kanye. Um, just suddenly these, these people are almost experiencing their mental illnesses times two. And I'm just like, buddy, you didn't think about how that could backfire on you. Uh, it's a little silly, goofy. And like I said, there are definitely, there are characters that I like and there are characters that I don't like. And there are reasons for why to like each and to not like. There are things about them that I'm like, wow, I really like that she's this cute little old lady, but wow, she's honestly a bee. And, you know, things like that. So normal, normal things. Um, Overall, I really, really liked this book and I'm really excited to post my cover of it. And I think Victor is definitely someone who we should read more of. And yeah, yeah, that's all I got to say about that, besties. I want to read this book so bad. I think you should. It sounds crazy, bro. You know, I love weird. Um, I also love insane asylums. They scare the crap out of me. But I, you know, I love weird animal shit. Especially animal human hybrid shit. Yes, he's like weird old man body, but like that makes me want to throw up. Low head. Can you freaking imagine that? That's and he climbs cool. down from the freaking ceiling. That makes like, me want to die. They wake up and his legs are just like dangling from the ceiling. That's atrocious. But I, love <laughs> I would kill myself. Also, why did it remind me a little bit of Savage Conversations? Kind of like just because. Mary Todd Lincoln being in the insane asylum and the character of the savage Indian kind of being like an apparition, like, and it's a ghost and love the, it. And the noose being a character, like it, it, it kept reminding me of, um, of savage conversations just a little bit. I absolutely love that. You, oh. I kind of see it too. I understand why it would remind you of that. I'm thinking about the bison and it's freaking me out. Ooh. It reminds me a little bit of um, the Minotaur in American Horror Story Coven, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm really scared of Minotaurs, like, because when I had the swine flu, I had a fever dream about a Minotaur and it was so vivid and I was so young and I, it stuck with me forever. So now I'm like really scared of Minotaurs specifically one running through a big open field towards my car because that's what the fever dream I had when I was a kid was which maybe was from reading or watching Percy Jackson because something similar happens but yeah how many people were scared me (laughs) I had a dream like that before about a rhino 
Rhinos are scary too because did you used to watch James and the Giant Peach when you were a kid? Friggin' yes. And Horrifying. It's, I was literally every time there would be a thunderstorm, I would be afraid that the angry rhinoceros was going to come. Yeah, like don't look into the clouds. Yo, that should, yo, that movie is so good, but so scary. The, the, um, me- metallic shark really scared the crap out of me too. Yes. It, and the, and the aunts scared the shit out of me. I am like not a fan of, like, I am a fan, but like creep, creep of, like you said, like human, animal, weird hybrids. Like anytime you take an animal and it's, it's not doing the thing that it is supposed to do that we expect it to do. I'm like, creep, don't like it. Same with when humans do something you don't expect them to do. Like there's like that scene from it chapter two, where like the old lady is Pennywise and she's like walking really weird. I'm like, I fucking hate that. Or even that one scene uh, in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I don't know if it's part one or part two. If you're if we're talking about the movie, but in the book, whatever. Um, when what's her name is like actually the snake, and she like is not talking. Right. Yes. Yes. I'm th- for, that like creeps me out, and like people who just. Sometimes when there's like a glitch in the matrix where people like are talking to you and they they like blank out for a second. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Something's happening. Oh, no. Yeah, super, super creep. Everything's a little bit creep nowadays. Everything. I love how I love being um, scared. Like, not actually scared, but, like, fake scared, as in um, haunted house slash movie slash book scared. And let me just say, the book I read this week caused me to literally sometimes squirm, sometimes gasp, sometimes just, like, like make that kind of face. Y'all can't see it, but Marissa saw it. And that's my favorite thing. Oh, wow. So should I get into that? Yeah, I'm very excited now. Okay, so I read Lakewood by Megan Giddings. Um, This is a new book and it was her first book. It came out in 2020 um, and it was named a New York Magazine's 10 Best Books of 2020 and an NPR's Best Books of 2020. Um, And I can see why. Um, Just to give a little background on Megan Giddings, like I said, this is her debut book um she's a features editor for the rumpus which is very cool because i feel like at pratt or any writing student no matter where you went you probably came of writerly age reading stories from the rumpus and hearing people talk about the rumpus um so i thought that was very cool she's also very young i'm not quite sure how young she is but she's a young black woman doing really cool stuff um and she actually has a new book coming out in august of 2022 that i'm definitely going to read and it's already being compared to margaret atwood shirley jackson and octavia butler who are some of my i mean margaret atwood has her issues of being a turf but you know handmaid's tale is 
fucking astounding. So we have to give her that. But Octavia Butler and Shirley Jackson are two of my favorite people who ever lived on this earth. So that was exciting to hear. Um, It's called The Women Could Fly. And it's a dystopian book about... Um, set in a world in which witches are real and like single women are specifically monitored to see if they're witches. So it's basically like a societal norm that you have to be married by the time you're 30 or else people are going to think you're a witch, which used to actually happen. And I also love witch history. Like it's one of my favorite things. And they always went after single poor women or women that didn't do what everybody was expecting them to do so it seems like she's mixing that and i i'm i'm sure that race is also going to be a part of the women could fly but race is obviously a huge part of lakewood um like i said earlier it was compared to get out and one thing that sticks with me about get out is the when jordan peele said And he was like kidding, but he like wasn't. And he said, Get Out is a documentary. And I remember hearing that and being like, holy shit, like Get Out is a documentary. And Lakewood has similar vibes in that. First of all, it has similar vibes because it's fucking terrifying. But second of all, it's making like, it's a documentary. Like it's saying, like Marissa was saying this too about her book, like that, like it showcases a lot of like systemic issues. And this book shows just the absolute horrors that white people inflict and have inflicted on and unfortunately will inflict on the black community and other people of color and also just systemic issues in our world in general. So to give a little bit of background, this book follows a girl named Lena who lives in Michigan and her at the beginning of the book, her grandmother, who's sort of the matriarch of the family, passes away pretty unexpectedly, even though she's on the older side. And her mother, Lena's mother, is sick. Um, so there's a lot of medical bills. Lena's already putting herself through school. Um, and when the grandma dies, the, their debt uh, and money problems become just that more visible. So she receives a letter in the mail that is asking her to participate in a testing, um, almost like a survey type thing. Um, but it's very peculiar how it just shows up on her door. But it looks really legit, but it was dressed directed a, like right to her even though she never remembers signing up for anything like that but it's going to pay good money so she goes and she does the trials and already you realize something's not quite right but then they offer her a huge sum of money to start working in the remote town of Lakewood Michigan for the Lakewood project um, she gets housed there like I said she gets a ton of money and Basically, she just has to be a part. She has a front. So her mom thinks she's doing something else. And she tells people she's working for like a shipping facility. Um, And that's what they she has to sign an NDA. But really, she's part of this. She's a she's a test subject. So I'm I'm sure if you're still like, what is going on? I would say it's giving a little bit. I don't want to say it's giving because what I'm about to say is such a horrible part of history. I wonder if Megan Giddings was 
inspired by the Tuskegee experiments here in the United States, which also I know were inspired by um, Nazi experiments. So that gives you a little bit of a feel for why this book is um, so fucking terrifying and horrid, but also so good. Um, so for readability, I gave this book a nine. This book, I took, I read it every single day and it took me like, you know, le- a little less than a week or whatever to get through. So it wasn't like I sat down and binged it, but I think you could. It's very short. Um, it's 270 pages. So it is something that you fly through, but I feel like I gave it a nine, not necessarily because I binged it, but because it was like, I was thinking about it when I wasn't reading it. And I was still like shit, like getting the chills over stuff I had read when I wasn't reading it, which is always the sign of readability in a good book. For language and style, I had a similar feeling about to you, Marissa. At first, I didn't love her writing style, but it wasn't because it was bad. It was very clean writing good writing it just wasn't doing anything interesting at first which not that every book has to be doing something interesting but that was how I felt at first and also I think it like have you ever I know this isn't true because they film movies out of order maybe it's more akin to a play have you ever been watching a play and the actor gets better and better as the play's going on like they get more into it. I it almost I know she had the opportunity to go back, but it almost felt like Megan Giddings got better and better as the book. Her writing got better and better as the book went on. And I don't know if it's just because she was writing in a more regular setting at first. And then once we got to Lakewood, she had the opportunity, her creativity was able to explode even more. But the beginning of the books, like the only like critique I would have had was that sometimes it felt a little bit too showy slash telly and I was like I don't know about this but it was still good like it was like very like clean simple easy to follow makes you want to keep reading language um so I gave it I gave it a 7.5 but I really do want to like reiterate that like language to notice and like style to notice which I'll get into next did get better and better as the book went on um especially because she was building so much tension as the book went on and I think our main character Lena was kind of changing as a person as the book went on so for form I gave this book a seven because it also wasn't doing anything crazy with form it was like your very run-of-the-mill chapter by chapter regular paragraph stuff but there is still something to note about it because for this book I don't want to give too many spoilers because I want people's like jaws to drop in the way my jaws dropped my jaw dropped multiple times while reading this book but I don't think this is a spoiler because they give it to you pretty quickly that whatever they're doing at the Lakewood part of it has to do with memory and so these people which by the way I'll get into this more when we talk about plot but these most of almost all the test subjects are people of color they're not all black a lot of them are black but they're all people of colors and all most of not all of the scientists are white. So red fucking flag alert. But one of the things that they're testing is memory. And so these people are robbed of their memory and they have these documents that they get each day that say what they did because they can they can't remember what they did while at the facility. And so a lot of chapters will be like day two. You did this, 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 and this. You did it, day 30. 
you did this. And I thought that was really weird and cool. And so that's why I was like, you know what, even though this book was like pretty linear in forms of like form and like not stylistically that crazy, I was like, I'm giving points for that because that was fucking lit also i always like when people like refer to characters by names that they had to give them because they don't know their names um and that happens a lot in this book for shelf worthiness i gave this book a 7.5 more and more i'm feeling like i really don't know how often i'm gonna read a book twice there are some books that i'm definitely gonna read twice but more and more i'm just thinking sometimes you don't have to want to keep a book just because you want to read it again <clears throat> And that's how I feel about this book. I think it's shelf worthy. I'm keeping it. I don't know if I'm ever going to read it again. I might. But like Marissa said, I am definitely, definitely going to recommend this to people. I've already recommended it to a bunch of people at work. Um, and they other people recommended it to me at work when they saw I was reading it. They were like, oh, my God, it's crazy. So and I also suggest buying this book instead of borrowing it because um, like I said, Megan Giddings is a new author. Like this is her first book. It's not like a classics, you know, like our, we love Octavia Butler, but if you want to, you can go get her book from the library because she has, she's not with us anymore, but Megan Giddings career is just starting and her new book is just coming out. So please buy Lakewood so that she has a successful, which I'm sure she will because Lakewood was very well received and she's an excellent author, but so that she has a successful release of her new book in August. But yeah, I'm keeping this book. I think it's really fucking cool and I'll definitely recommend it to people looking for horror, specifically psychological and body horror and specifically horror, obviously written by people of color and women and women of color. Um, for plot, I gave this book a nine. Like, I don't know what more I need to say other than that. Like, I had those physical reactions to this book. And there were so many times where the physical reactions I had weren't because even necessarily because body horror or psychological horror was happening. It was because such fucking not even violently racist, but things so subtly racist that they were violent were happening the way that some of the scientists at Lakewood would talk to Lena were just absolutely like, it wasn't astounding because it's not shocking. Like we know how villainous white people have been, are, and will be, but it was like, so astounding isn't the right word, but it was like, ugh, like, like almost like, like you want to puke and kind of catches you off guard but like again not because you're surprised just because you're like how can people actually fucking say this shit and so that's like what I found really compelling too is that like there's a different kinds of horror happening and both of them reflect the real world in very different ways but ways that are also kind of connected but yeah, there was so many. And I just think this concept is really cool because I think that um, the United States, too, has kind of tried to brush things like the Tuskegee experiment under the they're like, no, no, no. Like we didn't inject black people with syphilis. And I'm like, no, but you fucking did. And so I think just this concept of the U.S. and the whole thing, Lakewood's whole thing is would you serve the program for a greater purpose? And they keep asking her questions like that. They're like, would you like, 
go into a burning building to save somebody you didn't know. Like they're asking her all these questions about like a greater purpose. And I'm like, this is so weird. And like, obviously like something very bad is happening. And so I just think what a interesting concept for a um, horror book. And not only that it is like a testing facility that's testing on human subjects, but that Megan Giddings made it about these people are capitalizing off of the suffering people of color for their supposed scientific revelations for the supposed greater good. I was like, damn, like what a, what a concept. And especially for today too, like that fact that it came out in 2020, but yeah, there was so, so that aspect of it, there was also, there was so many horror moments that like, were so like, I really want to tell people about, but I also want you to be shocked when you read it. But also I feel like you will be shocked. Even if I say some of the stuff, like they're just, what they're doing to these people. Like there's this one point where Megan, if we're not Megan, sorry, where Lena experiences, what's it called? Aphasia where you think you're talking, but you're not saying the right stuff or you can't talk. And it is so uncomfortable. It's like, so like unsettling. There's another part where this one girl starts losing all of her, her teeth, which is like one of my like biggest fears. Um, there's a guy who starts growing mushrooms out of his skin and the mushrooms are like the same color as his skin. Um, he's a, he's a person of color. And then there's like this one part where it's just so weird. I'll just say it has to do with kumquats and body horror. And it's so fucking weird. And I was like, he, that was sick, but I'm sick. <laughs> like there was just so many really, really good moments of horror and the kind of horror that will stick with you probably forever even if you don't read the book again, even if it's not like your favorite book you've ever read, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to remember that one. And like I said, the plot was really interesting and fresh and it felt like it was a horror book that needed to be written all the way through the end. It was, um, I didn't think it was predictable, even if like you know what's happening and you know probably what's going to happen, but it's like she was still throwing you these things that were making, sending chills down your spine. So yeah, nine for the plot um, for me. Um, and for characterization, I gave this book an eight. Um, we're really close with Lena from The Jump. And you care deeply for her and for what's happening. You're really close inside of her head, even though it's from third person. You're very close to her. And I think the other characters are quite vivid as well. I think her mother um and her grandma who you never really get to see obviously because like she's dead but she's like her own character even though she has passed away there's a character named charlie who i think is really prominent um and you would see that and they all just feel very real like the kind of friends that she even makes in the testing facility like it seems real and it seems like that's almost how you would expect people to create bonds in a place like this, but also how you would expect people who don't even really know each other to react when shit starts hitting the fan. And also I think all the scientists are really skeevy and she does a good job with making you just be like, 
like I love hating villains and I think it's really hard to make a villain that you just hate because a lot of times people will add that like sympathetic um thing to people like there's some villains that you love um and you're like "Eh, yeah they're a villain but like kind of obsessed but and then there's villains that you like love to hate but it's actual hate and even though there was like multiple villains in this book because it was like obviously like one of first of all like the greater society but also there was just like many researchers like you had that like ew reaction to them that <coughs> I've only, I have I don't experience as often as I would like to when it comes to villains but yeah this book is insane and I'm so glad I found it um and freaking read it people and get ready for Megan Giddings second book coming out in august shut the f up that book sounds so freaking good like so like you would like it so much the body horror you would love i'm about to go buy it like tomorrow (laughs) go to the bookstore marissa and buy it i'm literally going to um is that is it is it published by random house it's actually amistad um so is amistad an imprint of random house mine is one world which is a random house thing i believe uh, it, it amistad is just black author oh no amistad is harper collins and they coin themselves as multicultural voices um i always thought for some reason i always thought it was just black authors but it might be all authors of color. Um, I was just wondering because your um, like your book design, like the back and the very side, similar. right? It reminded me a lot of mine, just a little bit reversed. Yeah. Um, I wish this didn't have this. I know. What is with that? I'm gonna start buying my books from fucking England and paying the extra money. British has so much better um, book covers than us. They really do. It makes me Which kind of mad. We are the United Friggin' States, Penelope. Come on. Hey, sleepy readers. Future Marissa back again. What is up? So um, while recording this episode, our video feeds cut out. Um, remember that Eliza is in Brooklyn and I am in Buffalo. So our Zoom failed us. Um, therefore... Here I am recording our little outro right now. Um, As you can see, we both really enjoyed our books and it was an honor reading them. Black History Month was so fun for the both of us. And I'm, I mean, I can't speak for Liza, but I kind of can. But anyways, I know that I personally am really happy with the authors that I found who I didn't know about with this week. Next week, we are moving into a new month jam-packed with other things to celebrate, one of which is Women's History Month. So next week, um, to celebrate Women's History Month, we will be reading and talking about feminist fiction. I will be reading The Dark Dark by the wonderful Samantha Hunt, and Liza will be reading The Bitch by Pilar Quintana. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Keep reading those Black authors' books. And we will see you in the next episode. Peace out, guys. Mm